Hey guys, this is Study Abroad with Veer and uh, I'm Veer. Um, this is a podcast series where we talk about careers, universities, studying abroad. I've had the fortune of working in higher education for the last four to five years and, and have advised various uh, students along the way. Um, and I thought this will be an interesting way to, to share some insight, some content. I'm going to do some interviews with uh, you know, some prominent people, some students, alumni of various universities, um, and then discuss application processes and so on. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. This is the first of the series. Uh, I'm going to be talking with uh, a good friend of mine, Anuj, who is uh, an ex-KPMG uh, London consulting employee. He's recently got admitted into some of the best uh, MBA schools in the world. Uh, and we're going to be talking about MBAs, who should do it, um, the process and, and how he felt about applying for the MBA. So hope you enjoy it. We're going to wait for the glass to shatter and uh, then the interview starts. Hi, Anuj. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Veer. Excited to be here. So as you know, Anuj, I've been working in education for close to four years now. Um, and one of the most common questions I get, especially from Indians, is about the MBA. And uh, I know you've yeah. just got admitted into some of the top MBAs that we have in the world today. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. I mean, I think culturally as well, uh, an MBA is really important in, in India. And even in the job market holds a lot of weightage. So uh, completely understand and you know I, i'm clearly bought into it as someone who's just about to start right great um so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself um just so that they get a context before you know they understand sort of you know whether the mba will be right for them sure so uh quickly about my background then i uh, i was sort of born and brought up in india so i uh, went to a couple of schools uh, one in delhi which was a shriram school uh, and then one in bombay which is a cathedral and john connan school uh, so i finished my 12th from cathedral and then moved to the uk to pursue an undergraduate at the university of warwick and uh, so i studied economics out there uh, graduated in 2015 and then worked for four and a half years at KPMG London, where I did uh, management consulting. And uh, I sort of uh, decided to apply for MBAs early 2019. Um, and that was kind of three and a half odd years into my job. And then the application cycle starts in the second half of the year. So I applied. Uh, in first rounds in uh, submitting them in, in September 2019 um, and finally got my admissions into three uh, universities in, uh, in December, which were London Business School, INSEAD and uh, the Indian School of Business. And uh, as you know, I've decided now to uh, take London Business School. So that's starting uh, shortly in August 2020. So yeah, looking forward to it. That's amazing. I mean, everyone would love to have those choices. Um, they're certainly one of the best <laughs> that we have in the world today. So, um, so I think, you know, coming from, coming from me, um, what I'd like to tell the listeners is, is I don't particularly think an MBA is always the right option for everyone. Um, you know, some people might want to do a master's, 
Uh, others might look at just continuing with the, the job they're in and working up the ladder in the company. Um, it's also a big financial commitment. So um, why put you on the spot? Why or, or what are the reasons you decided to do an MBA and, and why do you think it's, it's sort of the right option for you in your situation? Yeah, so Veer, I think that's a really important question for the listeners and particularly it's very important for an Indian listener because I think in India, in the Indian job market, there's a lot of uh, kind of pressure to get an MBA, even if it's just for the sake of it. Um, and you'll find that a lot of people get MBAs from sort of unreputed institutions um, just for the sake of having the tag. And I think that that's not, uh, that's not, Maybe in the Indian market that works, but I think that's not necessarily the correct approach to go with. Um, so I think when you're thinking about why to do it, right, I, I'll give you a little bit of flavor in terms of why I perhaps did it, but also talk more generally in terms of, you know, what are the factors you should really think about when you're considering doing an MBA? So, you know, the, the main reason why I decided to do it eventually was to make a career move. I was uh, working in a good job in management consulting and I, I enjoyed my job and I think I learned a lot and there was lots of growth opportunities. Um, but, but I wanted to move into uh, the more strategic end of consulting. So I, I personally am targeting strategy consulting as a post MBA uh, career. And, you know, one of the best routes into that job is through a good MBA and you know, from two elements of it. So one of course is the access to the job you get from going to a good MBA, but also I think uh, an MBA really prepares you to be able to do that job because of the way in which they, they teach you. They, they really equip you with the skills that make you a good consultant and you'll notice a lot of, a lot of MBA grads kind of go into consulting for that very reason. Um, but, you know, some of the other reasons why you might decide to do an MBA is, you know, you might be running a business and want to learn some skills or develop some network to kind of uh, enhance your ability to run that business or grow that business. Um, you, you might be someone who has been working for a few years and decides that you want to take a, a bit of a career break. And, you know, MBAs are also what people describe as the most fun time of their life. So it's, it's a good, it's a good way to detox from the career uh, and do something different, learn new things, learn about cutting edge research from, you know, great, great professors. Uh, so, so, you know, that's, that's another reason why people do it, but you're right. You mentioned the financial decision as well. And, and I think particularly if you're applying for schools globally, I think it's an important thing to think about because it is a big investment in yourself, uh, both from a money out, out of the out of the bank as well as opportunity costs from not working. So it's important to to kind of decide for yourself whether it is something that you want want to do, and that will have a long term benefit. Because you know you shouldn't make an investment that doesn't have a payback, and that payback doesn't have to mean a better job. It could mean a job you want to do more than the current job. It could also mean that you value the experience enough to make the cost worth it. Um, and you mentioned around alternatives to the MBA being, you know, master's programs or not doing uh, another degree altogether. And I think both of those are very feasible options and increasingly so uh, in today's business environment. And I say that 
particularly because you know a lot of growth if you look around uh, globally is coming from technology firms and therefore the kinds of skills that are being valued in the market are are evolving and uh, doing an mba particularly a generalist one might not fit in with the skills demanded in the market so perhaps you've done engineering or you've done computer science and you're a coder you might not get any value from doing an mba and you might find that it's better to do a masters in your field to specialize and become you know top of the line coder for a certain technology company um and, and you know i think that that applies to a, most to technology but more broadly to a lot of other fields as well even in in finance if you think about you know if you if you're sure you want to work in financial services i don't think that doing um mba will necessarily at least in a uk job market uh mean that you're better equipped for that job market than doing a good masters in finance program so it, it's something that you need to balance uh with with what your personal circumstances and aspirations are and that's very important to figure out in advance of just automatically making the decision to do an mba that's that's amazing that's really interesting um and actually one of the things that i often now advise students when i talk to them is just remember we're not living in you know the 1990s where let's say um you know our parents if if they had the opportunity to go abroad it was almost a given that you would get a good job and that's uh, you know the the rest of your life is is taken care of in a certain way i always try and tell students you must have the you know an open mind to the ability to come back and adapt to working because you never know how the job market in a particular country is going to look like um so i think that's really interesting you say that and, and just to add i think motivation is key i think there's i think there's too many people who um the motivation to do an mba is to get a better job and money um and and that's where i think the like you said the the, the cost comes into play whether you'll actually recover the money how soon you'll recover it i think the motivation needs to be right which is to actually progress in your career whether it means you know a job that you wanted like you said or uh, or just that you're stagnating where you are and you feel that's that's what takes you to the next level whether it it's networking you know it's it's a variety of different things and i think often and and it's it's very common especially in india people just get stuck to that kind of mba tagline and 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 they they really don't know what to make of it after a while so um so really interesting i think that will be uh, quite useful that that actually leads me to sort of something i was going to um chat with you about in any case which was you know you seem to have chosen particular mba schools which are um, sort of more kind of you know in in a certain sense you you've kind of ignored the us so is it was that a conscious decision or was that uh, was that just just a preference um and and do you think actually where you do an mba impacts the quality of your mba and and you know the the career move that you're trying to make or or is it that you should just go for the best schools just look up the rankings and see what comes out of it no we that's a really good question right i think uh let me let me talk through the process that i kind of went through in deciding my schools 
and then after that i'll give a more general overview of things that i think people should think about uh when deciding their school because uh, you know you touched upon the rankings rankings are important because they uh, and not because of the sake of rankings but in my opinion because rankings are comprised of underlying factors that are important um but it's not the only thing and fit is equally important so in my case you know you mentioned that i avoided the us and that's true i avoided the us because for me uh i i had no interest in working in the us afterwards and that's just a personal preference of mine uh so so therefore i felt that you know doing an mba which is such a big investment uh in the us is is not worth it for me um so you know once you leave the us out of it your options quite dramatically narrow so it made my selection process quite uh straightforward after that i knew for one i wanted to target the the top schools and uh so outside of the us if you look at global top schools you basically got lbs and ncad and i think for me i wanted to leave an indian option open as well uh and i consider these a few of the iims as well as the uh, isb option but based on conversations i've had with people from both institutions as well as my own research i felt that isp was a better fit for me because um it, its structure is a little more in my opinion up to date with global standards uh and uh, in addition to that it has a more experienced cohort from a work experience perspective whereas iims have a lot more in terms of uh you know fresh out of undergrad students or like zero to one or two years of work experience so those were my uh my kind of selection process criteria um you know as a disclaimer i suppose i'll add that my older brother went to lbs for his mba and you know uh so that obviously helps make the decision as well because he went through and had a good experience um but i suppose more broadly right like it it in my opinion it comes down to a fit right so you need to decide you know i think geography is a big decision you need to decide that you know where do you want to do your mba like it's not a small decision to say i'm sitting in I, i've lived in you know delhi all my life and now i'm going to move to new york that's a that's a really big decision it's a huge change huge cultural change um and, and you can't take that decision lightly so that's one big element uh then an, the other couple of things you need to think about is uh you know le- length of program is a key key one for me the reason why i perhaps chose lbs over ncr and isp was that it was a two year program and i wanted to do that so it's quite important to think about that because there are one year programs and two year programs and some of them are of equal caliber to each other so therefore you you won't necessarily change your career prospects but your experience will be dramatically different because obviously it's one is much more intense than the other um i think you need to then think about your own personal budget as well the roi of course comes into play and you know generally speaking you'll find that more expensive mbas tend to have uh, more lucrative career options at the end of it however you know these are big numbers we're talking about and not everyone can take the chance of getting that job and not everyone can uh, wants to put down that amount of capital even if there are returns at the end so you know like in the uk for example an mba at the you know an institution like lbs versus let's say like a warwick which is where i did my undergrad will have like a 
30-40% cost difference. So that's a, that's a big number. Um, you know, then, then I think uh, another important thing to consider, and this is something that few people probably think about, is do you want to major in something? And if yes, what is that? So, you know, I think it's well known that something like Wharton is, is known for financial services. And if you want to get into financial services and you want to go to the US, Wharton is the place for you. Similarly, you know, if you want to go work at Silicon Valley, Stanford is definitely going to be your number one choice. More recently, what is becoming quite common, and I touched upon the, the tech skills that are becoming quite valuable. Uh, there are a number of MBAs now that are offering a technology and analytics uh, specialization. So I know, for example, that Cornell has a program that's a few years old, which actually a friend of mine is enrolled into. Uh, and he's really enjoying it. And it's a tech-focused MBA. And then they teach you a lot more actual technical skills as well than you would learn in a more generalist MBA. And LBS has actually launched a tech focus this year. So, you know, if you want to get into technology and specifically in like a product management type of role, learning, uh, understanding what skills are desired for those roles and therefore but perhaps choosing a technology MBA would hold you in good stead and really give you a good chance. Um, you know, this is obviously a lot to take in and a lot of elements to, to kind of think about, but I think that it's very important to, to kind of balance your quote unquote dream school, which for everyone is almost inevitably Harvard business school with what works for you. Uh, you know, I, I, I can say that my father as well pushed me to apply to Harvard and I resisted that pressure because I told him that, look, I don't want to work in the US. And although Harvard will get me a job anywhere I want, it doesn't necessarily make sense for me personally to have to recruit in a different continent than the US uh, just to get that brand name in. Um, some, for some people it might, but for me it didn't. And eventually I didn't apply and uh, ended up taking LBS. So, you know, these, these are just some of the things that you, you do need to think about. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, you know. Oh, I think that's, that's great. But I mean, my next question is going to be everyone's probably thinking, I mean, what's this guy complaining about? He's got some of the best options available to him. Uh, do you want to talk about <laughs> just how much, how uh, just in terms of academics, I think people listening might now be, sort of interested to know sort of, you know, if you're happy to share how much you scored, what your background was like. Um, what I'm getting at is just a, you know, brief insight into the application procedure and what, what you felt, um, you know, how people should strategize their applications and what, no. what tools are looking for. But also just to know exactly where you were, because I mean, I've known you for a long time. I know you're a smart guy. Um, Let's leave Thank it at you. that. Okay. Let's not let's not massage your <laughs> ego too much. But uh, you know, you're a smart guy. You've obviously got the grades, so I think it's important for people to know you do need to need to have certain certain grades uh, in terms of the requirements, as well as your GMAT and, and so on, to be eligible for some of yeah. the that you're mentioning. So, so if you wanted just to touch upon that, so people understand exactly what's happening here, and yeah. you know, they're not they're not dreaming about things that may yeah. not be available to them, just requirement wise. Yeah, no, absolutely, Veer. I think that's that's critical as well, right? You know, you you want. I, I think the factors I mentioned before didn't cover your 
your kind of likelihood of getting in. And I think that's a very important one as well. See, applying for an MBA, and I'll get into the process shortly, but applying for an MBA is a time-consuming process. And scaling up from doing one app to three apps to 10 apps is not easy. Uh, and you, you're better off doing a few focused apps per round than just going broad and not putting in the effort into any of the apps. Because I can tell you for a fact that that shows. You can quite clearly tell, I mean, I can quite clearly tell from my application process, the difference between my first draft and my last draft is, you know, like it's miles apart. So it's important to think about the fit in terms of what will achieve your goals, which is something I've mentioned, but then also a fit in terms of what can you realistically get into. And I think that it's important to, uh, to aim high. My, I, I would not recommend to anybody to going, especially going abroad and investing all that money to do an MBA that's not a well-reputed MBA and, you know, where you risk not getting what you want out of it. So, you know, you should, you need to look at different schools. Important to talk to people who've been to different schools and understand the profiles of various, of the classes entering those schools. I think that's a very effective way of understanding what kinds of people get in. And this is a process I would generally suggest you don't do two months before doing your application, but rather two years before doing your application. I know a lot of people don't plan that far ahead, but the reality is two months before your application, nothing is controllable. You can't change your profile. Whereas, you know, if two years before I've applied for an MBA, I realized that, hey, everyone going to Harvard has done like really impactful social work. Then you can go and work with an NGO for two years and do something impactful uh, that would look good on your app and make you stand out. So I think that, you know, that's something easier said than done, but definitely something worth considering. Um, in terms of getting in, you know, uh, in, in, especially to an Indian, uh, when they look at the local market in terms of getting into academic institutions, it tends to be very score driven. Um, I, I would say that globally, that's definitely not the case. Scores are important, don't get me wrong. And especially at the top most prestigious institutions, they really hold, uh, hold scores highly. But, it, you know, if you've got a weakness in your scores, but you've got a really interesting work experience, you started something up and, you know, made a real impact on, on a certain element of society, they won't disregard you because you have a 650. I can tell you that, that's for sure. Um, so, it, you know, the, the kind of key message is that everything, uh, everyone is not going to be perfect at everything. Every applicant is different and an admissions committee in most global institutions will appreciate that and look at all elements of your application. That said, you know, telling you a little bit about my own uh, profile so you get a sense. I had a... I did well in, in my undergrad and I had a 760 in my GMAT. So a good GMAT score. Um, and uh, I, I had sort of also done a professional qualification with my job. So it's a management accounting qualification. Um, so all these elements from an academic perspective add up to a strong academic candidate. Um, but I also know people who, you know, haven't got a first class in their undergrad, but got a, you know, upper second class. Um, and, you know, haven't got a 760 in their GMAT, but have got a 680 in their GMAT. And these people have got in as well. 
Why? Because we've got a strong application in other elements. See, a 680 is still a very strong score and an upper second class is still a very good performance in your undergrad. So, it's important to say that that is not going to be a selling point of your application anymore. But they look at other elements of your application to find selling points. So, for example, you might have done exceptionally well in your job and have gotten outstanding professional recommendations. And that's something that holds a lot of weight to these colleges because they look for leadership potential as a key competency when you're being admitted into the MBA. Um, so, so that's another important element to think about. Uh, you know, a, a balanced application with your selling points where you're, you're standing out. Um, and then finally, you know, if I just talk to the application process, of course, you'll, you'll have your academics that you'll submit. You'll, you'll kind of have a work experience that you'll, uh, that you'll have to demonstrate to them. And it's not as objective as your academics. So you need to be good at messaging your work experience. What have you done? What have you learned? What transferable skills do you have? Uh, you know, what leadership potential have you demonstrated? Do your recommendations substantiate all that you're saying about your job? Um, have you got a CV that stands out as strong? And, a, you know, a key question that uh, business schools will often tell, tell interviewers is, look at the CV and if I were to put the CV in front of you, would you hire this guy? And that's, a, that's like a sniff test that they run uh, on their candidates as well. Because ultimately, an MBA, unlike a master's, is a very career-focused degree. So employability at the end of the program is quite important. And you need to demonstrate that you've got the potential to achieve your ambitions. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of the application process, right? You've got, uh, along with all of this, to stitch it all together, you've got a number of essays per application that, uh, that you know, puts forth your story and allows a little bit more insight into you as a character and as a person. And, you know, I definitely suggest trying to bring across some character and person. Don't, don't be rigid and only talk facts. Sometimes it's okay to bring some personality into your, into your writing. I know that I, for example, in one of my essays, did talk about uh, some of my art classes that I last attended, you know, 15 years ago and probably has very little impact on my current profile, but it just brings out some character. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to, uh, to kind of nail the essays. The essays are very important. Uh, they need to be something that someone can read up, quickly go through it and understand your story. It doesn't need to have very complicated English. It doesn't need to use, you know, figures of speech. It's important that it's, concise, precise, and that it's to the point while adding in the character and having a clear story. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the element of your application process that really takes the most time over the last month and a half uh, going into the application cycle, because that's what you use to stitch together the last X years of your life to tell a story that the MBA wants to buy. Because make no mistake, at the top MBAs, it's very, very competitive. And it's very important that when they read your profile, they want you to join their school. Uh, and that profile isn't just a, a, a mark, a number on, on your CV or your application. It's your whole application uh, looked at 
completely. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And I think something I get asked often, obviously, you know, you mentioned applications is, is I can tell you at least, you know, working in a top UK university, even at an undergraduate or postgraduate master's level, every application is, le- is, is read in detail. So whether it be, you know, the essays that you're writing, taking a look at your grades, teacher references, um, you know, in, in, in an undergraduate context, obviously employer references when you're talking about an MBA. And there's this myth that people have that it's not really given value and there's some software reading it and so on and so forth. I mean, I can, I can tell you right away from my time, every bit of information, you know, you send is seen by a person. Um, and so, you know, don't have that in your mind because I don't think that's really going to work for you then. Um, so really quickly, Anuj, I think, you know, sort of running out of time. So why don't you, um, you know, I want to ask one thing in particular that I know a lot of people ask me is GMAT versus GRE. So I don't know if you had any views on that. Um, obviously, two, two yeah. tests that, that now are widely accepted. And then just to leave the listeners with maybe just, you know, a few, you know, you whatever you want to call it, but top tips in terms of, uh, applying for an MBA. So if you just wanted to, you know, maybe finish off with these two, these two points. So GMAT versus GRE, and then some some tips that you have for those applying. Sure. So I think on the GMAT versus GRE, you know, most people will not even think about, and some won't know about the GRE. I personally didn't. I'm in that boat, to be honest. Uh, but you know, having spoken to a few friends of mine who are giving it uh, more recently. They've considered, and I know some giving the GRE, and the reason for that is that it's slightly different in what it's testing or what it's focusing the testing on. So what I, my understanding, and please to all the listeners verify this, uh, the GMAT is, uh, has harder maths and slightly easier English compared to the GRE. So, you know, depending on what your relative aptitude is across the two, if, if you feel that you know, the toughest questions in the GMAT maths is too difficult for you. Uh, consider doing the GRE because it's a different skill set. It's testing. Uh, and, and you might end up scoring a better score on that. That will give you a more, uh, more competitive look on your application. So that's on, on that question. And then in terms of top tips, I guess, you know, uh, one of the things I definitely wanted to say to all the listeners is, you know, when you're looking abroad, there's no cutoff like there is in India for your marks. So you don't need the highest mark to be considered for the best institution. Uh, you need a you need to be competitive uh, relative to considering the weightage of the rest of your app as well. Uh, but you don't need a 760 to compete. A, a good indicator for each school is to look at their average uh, average GMAT or GRE score that most institutions will publish. And they also, some of them publish the, uh, the 80th percentile range. So have a look at that and that'll give you an idea of the range of people that apply and get in successfully. Um, another one that I think is uh, probably a top question in India is the question of whether to use a counselor when applying for an MBA. And I think that's a pretty personal decision to make. Uh, my view, I, 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 in disclosure, didn't use one. And my view on this is if you've got friends and family who you think are equipped to help you because they've either been through the process 
uh, and are articulate in their writing because that's an important part of the, the, the support process that you get from a counselor, then you probably don't need one. But that said, you might be more comfortable with one. And I think, you know, there are definitely advantages. They have experience. They uh, know about what different institutions look for. And, uh, and so definitely, based on circumstances, you should decide whether you want a counselor or not. Um, and, you know, one of the things that's probably lesser known, but once someone tells you is very obvious. See, an MBA school ultimately is still, it's a business school. So it's a business and they want to maintain their prestige and their rankings and improve on those factors. So it's important for you to think about what the school's KPIs are as well, right? How does the school measure its own performance? And, you know, two of the big factors are employment figures and application yield, which is essentially how many of the people who are given offers accept those offers. So to kind of sum up on that, uh, if you are a very good applicant, but it looks like you have a really ambitious career plan and are not going to achieve it, that means that the school looks at you as a risk. So it's quite important for you to put forth a story that is achievable along with being ambitious. Um, and then the other one is it plays to the fact that the school wants you only if you want them. No school wants to hear that they are your third choice. Um, and if you make it seem that you're not going to accept their, their admission, even if they give it to you, they are likely not going to give it to you. And this comes out in the interview process. So I think it's important to make sure you put forth how much the school uh, is your first choice and why you want to go to those schools and make sure that's very clearly articulated. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. Uh, you know, you can always reach out to Veer for any other questions. He's, he's been in the education consulting space for a long time now and uh, he, he knows what's what. So I'll leave it at that. That's great. And I should say, you know, obviously, this isn't some sort of a consulting thing. The, the whole idea of this series of podcasts is informal conversation, um, you know, just so that people can, in an informal setting, gain some insight into some of these topics. Um, but I would always advise, you know, go, go look up, um, you know, the, the university websites and and talk to the right people, everything we're saying right now, um, you know, this is just our personal opinion and just a casual conversation we're having. So, um, so always do your research, but, um, and to echo I, that wheel, I, yeah. I'd just like to add, uh, that typically if you are aspiring to get into a school, if you email five people or LinkedIn, five people who are students at that school, one will most likely reply to you and be willing to have a chat. So, yeah. Try that approach if you need insights into the school. Yeah, no, great. And and um, what I what I take away, Anuj, then is is a few things. So, just to summarize, and and in um, in just three or four points. So, I think what I've taken back from the conversation today is is you know important to know why you're doing the MBA. Uh, I think that's that's key to to everything. You know, doing your research, knowing what makes you stand out 
preparing in advance, um, not just you know two months before the application deadline. Um, and I think finally, I think like you said, you you need a bit of luck, isn't it? Definitely, Veer. I mean, you know, one year there's COVID and there's a recession and there's more applications and you just get unlucky. Uh, whereas, you know, in a in a normal year, in normal applications, you you would have gotten the the admission. So there's definitely a timing factor and a lot a, a little bit of luck sprinkled upon your application. So, you know, that's just what it is. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Anuj. I think um, I think we've we can chat for forever, really. But um, I think we leave it at that. I think that'll be hugely useful to everyone listening. And uh, to the listeners, this is this is about the MBA today. Um, but you know, with the next uh, few podcasts in the series, we'll be talking about other aspects about living abroad and and careers and and more about applications. Um, and so keep following. Thanks, Anuj. Thanks, Veer.